Hi everyone, my name is Sofia Huerta and I play professional soccer for the OL Reign and you are listening to Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. Hello and welcome back everybody to episode 114 of the Circling Seattle Sports Podcast. I am your host as always, Charles Hamaker, uh, alone today, so it's just me, uh, no Bennett, no Omari. Um, with that being said, we have a good amount of news to get over, so to get over to go through so let's just get into it uh seattle seahawks in their regular season quest continuing a a regular a what's the word i'm looking for a relatively uh rough year this year um week 13 versus the 49ers seattle would win that game by a score of 30 to 23 not a conventional win but a win is a win Uh, the seahawks hold the 49ers out of the end zone late in the final minute of the game uh, to get their fourth victory on the season, sweeping San Francisco this season uh, in, in a down year, the offense still needs some work, uh, but they were able to get some playmakers of all this week. DK had six targets at the half, which is an improvement from getting one late in the third quarter. Uh, Tyler Lockett had a good game. Uh, the offensive line really played a horrible game. Uh, play calling still a little suspect, still some things to work on. There are a lot of screen passes this game, and they really didn't work. So continuing to force the issue with them really didn't make sense. Um, th- this kind of spoils part of the team news here, but Adrian Peterson, uh, his touchdown was his 126th, which ties him with a legendary former Browns running back Jim Brown for 10th most touchdowns in NFL history. And the defense holds the 49ers to zero points in second half after struggling to do so, after struggling to stop them in the first half. Uh, you know, this defense has really not been horrible this year. They've held their opponents under league average, I think six of the last eight games. And that's, I mean, holding a team under league average is a good thing, right? So, you know, uh, Defense has been doing their job. Offense still struggling, but I mean, to to struggle and put up 30 points is a good thing, right? And, you know, playing the 49ers defense is, this 49ers defense is no no slouch. I'm not saying they're the best in the league, but they're also not the worst in the league. Um, so, I mean, overall, I'd say good win. Um, some things that could definitely be worked on, but uh, all in all, you got the win, so that's what matters. We look at stats leaders here. Uh, Russell Wilson completed 30 of his 37 attempts for 231 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. On the ground, Travis Homer had three attempts for 80 yards and a touchdown. Uh, most of those yards would come on a 73-yard fake punt touchdown uh, in the first quarter. So Seattle, yes, Seattle ran a fake punt um, in their own territory and were able to not only get the first down but also score a touchdown from 73 yards out. Uh, receiving wise, Tyler Lockett led with seven receptions for 68 yards and one touchdown. Uh, in the tackle department, Jordan Brooks at 11 total tackles, five solo, and one tackle for loss. It feels like whenever we get to the turnover part, um, it's either Jordan Brooks or Bobby Wagner. It's just so funny to me how that works. Um, I just, just wish, you know, you had KJ Wright and that linebacker group there. Um, in the turnover department, Quandre Diggs and Bobby Wagner both recorded an interception, so they're both going to be in the turnover department there. Um, so for offensive and defensive MVPs, uh, I went with Russell Wilson. Um, you know, completing 30 of 37 is not, not bad at all. The one interception that was thrown really wasn't his fault. Gerald Everett had a really bad day, he had a fumble in this game. Um, and the interception... Uh, went right through his hands uh, and he, he was struggling to get the ball. He was, you know, going to be in the end zone uh, and kicked the ball up to try and catch it again. And the uh, Quan Williams of the 49ers was able to grab it in the air for a pick on the goal line. So um, yeah, Gerald Everett, just not a good day. Um, and yeah, but well, the, the, the main point is to get back to it is Russell Wilson really seems to be right in this, at least in this past game, seemed to be getting back into his groove. So uh, that could be big for this team moving forward. Obviously, with the way that the division is set up and with the way the NFC is set up, I don't know um, how much that'll matter, but we'll have to see. Uh, the defensive side of the ball, Bobby Wagner, Bobby leading the league in tackles, and you know what? 
year 10, it seems like, you know, um, and getting a pick in this game. Sadly, Seattle, uh, the offense was not able to capitalize off the interception, but regardless of that, making a, an impact on the ball always, um, I would not take watching Bobby Wagner play for granted. This guy, I mean, if, if it was my money, I would say that he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Looking into injury-related news for the Seahawks, uh, the game day inactives were quarterback Jacob Eason, running back Alex Collins, offensive guard Phil Haynes, offensive guard Damian Lewis, cornerback Nigel Warrior, and defensive tackle Robert and Kim Dietschy. There were no prior to game time injuries, so that's why we got straight to game day inactives. Uh, post-game, strong safety Jamal Adams has a sprained shoulder. The severity of that is yet to be known, even after talking to the media today on Monday. Uh, the severity of the injury is not yet known. Uh, it is the same shoulder that required surgery in the offseason. Offensive tackle Brandon Shell aggravated a shoulder injury in the game against the 49ers, and he is not expected to practice Wednesday or Thursday, and Pete Carroll said that on Monday. So that should tell you just about everything you need to know about that. Uh, more than likely, we'll see Storm Forsyth back there at offensive tackle again this upcoming game against Houston, as we did in the game against the 49ers. Excuse me. And offensive guard Kyle Fuller sprained his ankle. The severity of that is not known either. Um, usually we hear about that sort of thing the day after, um, but that is not the case here. So we're still sort of uh, waiting to hear on that. Those are some injuries that are key, especially the Adams one. Um, that is a big blow. Jamal's really been playing pretty well over the past few weeks. Uh, I mean, I mean, for the most of the season, actually, he's been playing pretty well. Um so team-related notes, yes, uh, December 1st, Adrian Peterson signed to the practice squad, and December 4th, Adrian Peterson was elevated to the active roster from the practice squad so that he would be able to go for the game against the 49ers. Um, in league-related news, Buccaneers players, there were three of them that were suspended for misinterpreting their COVID-19 status. Misinterpreting is an interesting word for their headline to be, uh, to be there simply because of the fact that the first person on this list, Antonio Brown was caught using a fake vaccine card. Um, the other two were Mike Edwards and John Franklin, the third. Uh, the next point we've got for league news is that the 2022 salary cap will increase. The salary cap is expected to jump to $208.2 million for the 2022 season an increase from this season's salary cap, uh, which is currently at $182.5 million in the, the league. Um, and then also around the league, the belief around the league is that there will not be a single quarterback selected in the top 10 picks of the draft. That would be the first time since 2013. So wrapping up for our Seahawks here, their record now sits at a four and eight record. Uh, certainly better three than eight, I guess. Um, Standing fourth in the NFC West, uh, looking ahead, Seattle in week 14 takes on the Houston Texans on the road December 12th with a 10 a.m. Pacific time kickoff. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the first time that Seattle is traveling down to Houston since uh, since the Super Bowl year. So that would the, the Super Bowl that we won, that is. Um, so that's a little interesting tip there. Uh, looking over to our Mariners here, still the offseason uh, for the free agency tracker. Seattle tenders contracts to 33 players for the 2022 season. Ten of those 33 eligible. Uh, Ten of those 33 were eligible for arbitration, in addition to four who were already on major league contracts for next year, including right-handed pitchers Chris Flexen and Marco right-handed pitchers, starting pitchers, Chris Flexen and Marco Gonzalez, uh, relief pitcher Ken Giles, and first baseman slash infielder Evan White. The team additionally agreed to terms for deals with Kevin Padlow and Jose Godoy. Uh, the other news is that Seattle extended right-handed pitcher Andres Munoz. It was a four-year extension for Munoz with club options for 2026 through 2028. Uh, if you don't know, Munoz is a hard-throwing young reliever acquired in the Austin Nola uh, trade with the Padres. Uh, he did he pitched, I think he pitched an inning in relief in the last game of the season against the Angels. Um, and then this is not directly Mariners news, but it might as well count. Uh, James Paxton signed a one-year deal 
that was heavily incentive laden uh, with the Boston Red Sox. Looking into league notes, uh, this this is where it gets really interesting because you know if you look at the uh, if you look at the stuff here, what I said, you know, oh the Mariners uh, do some things with arbitration there, arbitration and sign Munoz. Then then we get to the league notes, right? Uh, two different kinds of baseballs were used in the 2021 MLB season. A report came out on November 30th that the MLB was secretly using two different kinds of baseballs this past season uh, and that players were completely unaware of this. In a quote from league commissioner Rob Manfred, Manfred essentially said that the balls with more pop would be used for more marquee matchups like Boston versus New York. This is his quote, by the way. And that dead and balls would be used for games that may not get much draw, such as Texas versus Seattle. Yes, those two examples, Texas versus Seattle and New York versus Boston, are the two examples that we got from Rob Manfred. So if you did not already hate him, there is some fire for the flames. Um, and then officially, the MLB is in a lockout. The league and players union failed to reach a new collective bargaining agreement. Uh, so the league owners voted to lock out. The it is the first work stoppage in the MLB since 1994 uh, through 1995. And then the last piece of league news that we have for you here is that six new members of the Baseball Hall of Fame were announced uh, just yesterday. In fact, uh, it will be Gil Hodges, Minnie Minoso, Buck O'Neill, Jim Cat, Tony Oliva, and Bud Fowler all voted in by the early committees. Uh, looking ahead, I would give you something for looking ahead, but considering that the MLB is in lockout, I cannot do that. Um, this is your time to check out Homs Seattle. That is H-O-M-S-S-E-A-T-T-L-E.com. Homs Seattle. Homs has your back in the loving Big Brother kind of way. Our goal is to change the mental health conversation one heart at a time. Looking into our Seattle Sounders news, uh, We've got our season recap for our Sounders here. The Sounders MVP, uh, to me, it was pretty obvious. We had Joe Paulo here. He only missed three games this past season. JP was tied for sixth in the league in assists, finished fifth in the league in touches. Uh, amongst players with at least 10 assists, Joe Paulo was first in the NMLS in tackles, one second in interceptions, and third in duels amongst yeah, third in duels. Uh, ranked second in the league with 42 chances created from set plays and was tied for third with six assists from set plays. So just looking at the numbers there, JP was obviously somebody as a midfielder, you know, that really did play that midfield role of helping back on the, back on the defensive end and helping his team score goals. Uh, he really took on the role that Nico Ladero has had for the longest time with this team, uh, it feels like. And it was just really weird to not have Nico out there. It never really got settled. Um, JP was voted as an all-star this past season, earned uh, best 11 honors uh, in the MLS, and was one of the five finalists for the MLS MVP award. Uh, moving on to defensive player of the year here, we have Yamar. Yamar played a whopping 2,657 minutes this past season, leading the team. In that time, he would only miss one game, have an 81.1 pass percentage for a center back, Lead the team in tackles with 55, was part of eight total clean sheets, led the team in headed dual percentage with 72.5, and led the team and the MLS in interceptions with 86, 13 more than the next closest player on that list there. He finished second in the league with 147 clearances, was an MLS all-star starter, and was one of the three finalists for MLS Defender of the Year. Yamar is 29 and did have some struggles this past season, but the 6'2 Colombian who had uh, earned his first national team call-up is coming off probably his best year yet and looks to be even better this next season for your Sounders. The Golden Boot Award is a awarded sorry completely forgot what the word was is awarded to the player who earns uh, who scores the most goals so for the sounders that was raul Rui diaz Rui led the sounders in goals for the fourth consecutive season becoming the first player in club history to win four golden boot titles his 17 goals scored in the regular season ties obafemi martins for the club record set in the year 2014 and tied third this season in the mls as a whole 
Rui led the league with seven game-winning goals and tied for the league lead with four multi-goal games. Seattle was undefeated in the 13 games that Rui scored. Uh, Raul earned a spot in the MLS All-Star game and a spot on the best 11. Young Player of the Year. The Young Player of the Year is a really interesting little thing that I threw in here when I was thinking about the season recap simply because of the fact that you know, uh, Seattle had so many injuries this past season and it so many injuries and so many call-ups uh, for international break, for international, you know, for the team. Uh, oh, for World Cup qualifiers, my bad. I was That's what I was looking for. Um, so a lot of young homegrown players, guys who are typically playing with the Tacoma Defiance, were having to split time you know, and come up and play for the Sounders, which isn't a bad thing for them. Obviously, this is a whole opportunity, but there was a lot of homegrown talent on the field for a good amount of time uh, this past season for Seattle. Um, uh, But out of the entire list of players that was eligible, um, the player that I selected for young player of the year for the Sounders would be Josh Atencio. The homegrown midfielder from Washington uh, played 1,543 total minutes this past season, getting action in 25 games and starting 18 of them. He recorded two assists, six shots, four in goal, and 81.8 pass percentage, and will certainly look to be somebody that Seattle looks towards uh, as a homegrown player in the going for uh, in the future. The best new face for Seattle, uh, I would say Kellen Rowe. Kellen Rowe. Uh, Seattle area native from Federal Way joined the Rave Green this past season and played the fifth most minutes for the team, playing in all 34 games this past season. Kellen only scored once, had a 77.9 pass percentage, and recorded three assists. Funny enough, they all came in the same game. Uh, he recorded 29 tackles and recorded 39 interceptions. So, not as much um, as a Midfielder by definition is Joe Paulo, but certainly making an impact on both sides of the pitch on the offensive and defensive sides. Um, the best game, this, you know, obviously all this is up to interpretation, but you're here for a reason. You're listening to the show for a reason. So uh, the best game was the 62 win over Portland. Winning against Portland is always great, but this was really just a so lacking. Uh, Seattle scored a season high six goals in Portland, in Providence Park defeating the MLS cut-bound Timbers. Uh, after all the injuries and losing players to international call-ups, this one really felt like some of the frustration had been let out and did so against the club's fiercest rival, which is always good. Um, what to look forward to next season? More Jao Paulo. Uh, a healthy Sounders question mark. You know, you, you look at all the pieces that the Sounders had. Even in the last game of the year, the loss to Real Salt Lake, there was so much talent and they were healthy. Unless that was a lie, you know, unless it was lied to. Oh, pardon me. Um, you know, a healthy Sounders team, so many pieces here. It's just about staying healthy and hopefully avoiding more of the dealing with the international break stuff. Uh, just considering that, you know, next year is the World Cup. Um, Leo Chu potentially getting more action this couple of coming year, getting really integrated with the team. You know, the young, fast Brazilian striker didn't really wasn't able to contribute that much, uh, really didn't, wasn't able to get integrated. So that should be a sticking point next year. Uh, potentially reloading for a run at the cup with your young core, with your core intact. That hinges on Raul's contract negotiations that are currently taking place. And who Seattle may bring in. I wouldn't be surprised to see Seattle bring some people in uh, just to sort of reload and revamp. Uh, in team-related notes, three Sounders players were named to the MLS Best 11 for 2021. It would include Yamar, Xiao Paulo, and Raul Ruiz Diaz. In uh, league-related notes, the Portland Timbers will host New York City FC in the MLS Cup. It is Portland's third-ever championship appearance and New York City FC's first championship appearance. Looking ahead, it is the Sounders offseason. So, I mean, at this point in time, we're really great to hear uh, news about Raul's contract extension or potential things like uh, transfer windows opening up. Uh, so no storm news. The storm have been relatively quiet for a good amount of time here. This is your time to check out Maestro Athletics. That is M-A-E-S-T-R-O-A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-S. Maestro Athletics. 
uh go check them out i know that the kraken launch just ended and is actually shipping relatively soon i would be on top of that and i would be following them to see what they post simply because they always come out with good stuff the kraken stuff looks great um so yeah i would be in touch and following them just so i know what is going on and staying on top of it and having the best merch of my teams that i can uh looking into our seattle kraken here speaking of which uh, over the past week, the Kraken played three different games here. December 1st at the Detroit Red Wings. Uh, the Kraken would lose that game 3-4 to four in a shootout, so getting one point for that shootout there. Uh, player of the game would be Ryan Donato. Donnie had two goals, two points, a one-plus-minus, and two shots on goal. Donnie's two goals really what was able to get Seattle back into this game and force just overtime before a shutout. So I'll praise Donnie there. Um December 3rd versus the Edmonton Oilers. Seattle would win that game 4-3. to three. Uh, It was Seattle's first divisional win, and it would uh, break the unbeaten streak for the Oilers, who were 7-0-0 in their divisional game so far this past season. Um, and then, the oh, yes, the player of the game for that game would be Alex Wenberg, who scored one goal, one point, a one-plus-minus, and had four shots on goal. Uh, December 6th versus the Pittsburgh Penguins at home. Seattle will lose that game brutally in a 6-1 to loss. Play of the game would be Jordan Eberle with one goal. In injury-related news, Jordan Eberle exited the Buffalo game on November 29th with a low body injury and returned in the December 6th game versus Pittsburgh. Uh, and Captain Mark Giordano is still in Florida awaiting the end of COVID protocols, which is certainly unique. Uh, then Mark's still over there. Uh, Team-related news on December 1st, Cal Yonkrock and Chris Drieger were placed on injured reserve, and Cole Lind and Joey Dackard were both recalled from the Charlotte Checkers uh, in order to sort of, um, for those moves to be made possible. Uh, in league-related news, the Vancouver Canucks make front office changes. The Canucks fired head coach Travis Green, general manager Jim Benning, after a 8-5, 8-win, 15-loss, 2-overtime loss start, uh, Bruce Boudreaux is hired as the current head coach of the Toronto, I mean, the Vancouver Canucks. And that is something that certainly still can change. Um, just, I mean, I guess it depends on this sort of coaching staff and uh, situation that gets put together there over in Vancouver. The Kraken record now sits at nine wins, 14 losses, and two uh, overtime losses, equaling 20 points. That is two points per each win, uh, none for the losses, and ooh, pardon me, none for the losses, and uh, two points for the two overtime losses, uh, giving us the 20. The division standing, Seattle's back down to eighth in the Pacific Division with the Vancouver win and the Seattle loss. Looking ahead, December 9th versus the Winnipeg Jacks. Winnipeg Jets here at Climate Pledge Arena with a 7 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. And December 11th versus the Columbus Blue Jackets with a 7 p.m. Pacific time puck drop. Um, yes, yeah, so the Winnipeg Jets on December 9th and the Columbus Blue Jackets on December 11th. Looking into our OL reign here, their offseason, we have their season recap. Uh, MVP, just Fishlock, easy pick here. Uh, heartbeat of the team, the Welsh Dragon, the engine that makes the OL reign go, was back to controlling the midfield this past season after being injured in 2019 and not playing in 2020. Uh, Fishlock would earn the league MVP award and a spot on the NWSL Best 11 first team. Uh, she would receive Team of the Honor, Team of the Honor, Team of the Month honors three different times and Save of the Week once for a midfielder, that is, if you're keeping track at home. She is a club original, uh, scored five goals, added four assists, and played 1,880 minutes this past season. Uh, defensive Player of the Year would be Alana Cook. Cook played 1,800 total minutes across 20 games, starting in all of those matches and playing every single minute. Cook was the brick wall on the back line, making 92 clearances, 23 blocks, and 41 interceptions this past season. She recorded an 84.3% pass percentage and made three key passes and a center back. She was nominated for the NWSL Defender of the Year Award and was on the NWSL Best 11 First Team. And Alana Cook, just for your notes at home, is only 24 years old. 
the Golden Boot Award winner has to go to Bethany Balser. Boats sailed along this past season in a big way, recording nine goals and being a contender for the League Golden Boot Award until the final weeks, ranking second when the dust settled finally. Bethany played 1,210 minutes in 24 games this past season and earned NWSL Best 11 second team honors. She was named Player of the Week twice and Player of the Month once. Uh, Boats also did more than just scoring, recording 14 made key passes and recording 16 clearances as well. Uh, Young Player of the Year, Alana Cook, so see Defensive Player of the Year segment, as I just mentioned. She is 24 years old. Um, Best New Face, this is kind of bittersweet, Eugenie Le Sommer. Uh, the legendary French attacker was loaned to the rain for 17 games this past season and did not disappoint. The Somer started 15 games, played 1,210 minutes, scored seven goals, recorded three assists, 31 crosses, pardon me, uh, 13 interceptions, and was part of an elite rain attack. Technically, she could be loaned to the rain again, but I, I don't know. We'll have to see about that. We'll see what um, OL does in terms of loans, if they do anything, uh, what we might sort of see um, for help this upcoming year, if anything. Um, I, I don't know if Booty or Marizan will be back. So that's, that's it's certainly something to watch. Uh, best game, uh, the 5-1 to one win over Houston. This game was really the exclamation point of what was a turnaround for the rain season. Uh, after starting off poorly, you know, being in the bottom of the table for a good amount of the opening part of the year. Um, the side that calls Tacoma, Tacoma, Tacoma home started turning things around, winning 9 of 12 between July 11th and September 26th. Uh, what to look forward to next season? More Bethany Balser, just Fishlock and Rose Lavelle, God willing, um, from the expansion draft. Uh, several draft picks for this draft. Hmm. Um, the Rain currently have the 10th, 15th, and 20th picks as of this current moment, uh, potentially finding out the new home for the Rain. Uh, we last heard some information of this, uh, when we might find out about that back in June of 2021. Uh, we heard that there were four potential sites being talked about and anywhere from Seattle to Federal Way. Uh, we will look into adding protection rosters next week. Uh, teams must protect nine players on the roster. Now we will get to some of the most important news simply because uh, we have a lot of trades that took place uh, this past week. Um, and even today, um, oh boy, just around the league, it, it was a pretty wild a time really. So the rain would acquire midfielder Nikki Stanton from Chicago in exchange for a third round pick. According to ESPN, this was at the request of Stanton, who is a North Bend native. Also for the rain in team related news, as I get to it here, um, the rain made a trade. Let me get to it. The rain made a trade with Angel City FC acquiring partial roster protection and allocation money from the LA expansion team. The rain announced today that it was trading the 36th overall draft pick in the 2022 draft to Angel City FC. In return for that trade, Angel City has paid the rain $25,000 in allocation money and has agreed to not select a forward from the rain's list of unprotected players in the draft. Uh, the rain holds six picks in this year's draft, including the 10th, 15th, and 20th selections. The expansion draft starts on the 16th of December, and the uh, the entry draft will be held on Saturday, December 20, uh, December 18th. My apologies. Um, so, yeah, the it is tough to think about that. You know, the rain gave me such a big chance. Um, this past season and, you know, worked with a lot of those women, did interviews. Um, I've met a few of them, you know, so 
expansion drafts a tough time. Uh, in league-related news, North Carolina finds its new coach. The Courage named Sean Nahas to a, the head coaching job. He has been with the Courage since the 2017 season and was appointed to the interim head coaching spot in September after Paul Riley was terminated. So the NWSL trade deadline, the trade deadline is really, that, that sentence there is really unique because it's that that deadline means like that doesn't anything that certain things don't happen after a certain point right um not really the case it's not really a deadline in the uh, nwsl uh because the deadline was supposed to be a few days ago and we're just now we heard some more about the trades more trades today uh let's start north carolina trades samantha mewis to the kansas city current for kiki pickett and kansas city's first round pick Chicago trades Julie Ertz, Sarah Gordon, and an international slot to, excuse me, Angel City in exchange for expansion draft immunity from Angel City. Excuse me. Uh, Chicago trades the rights to Kelsey Turnbow and a second round pick to the Wave for allocation money and an expansion draft immunity. Uh, Katie Johnson and Mackenzie Doniak of Chicago also joined the San Diego wave after telling Chicago that they wanted to return home to Southern California. Um, Orlando traded the rights to Jody Taylor uh, to San Diego in exchange for a second round pick, plus either a third round pick or allocation money uh, dependent on undisclosed conditions. Washington traded Tegan McGrady, a 2022 international spot in their first round pick to San Diego in exchange for draft immunity. Um, and then hold on. We've got a few more goodness, goodness, goodness. Um, uh, God damn. Yeah. Give me one second. This is wild. There's so much going on. Um, San Diego acquired Kaylin Sheridan, goalkeeper, uh, Jody Taylor, Tegan McGrady, Katie Johnson, Mackenzie Doniak, Kelsey Turnbow. Uh, oh, God. Oh, the rain will have the 10th. Yeah, okay. Sorry, I'm seeing news about the uh, entry draft. Okay, just making sure I didn't miss any trades. Now we will start with them. Okay, so uh, New York, New Jersey, Gotham trades Brianna Pinto to the North Carolina Courage in exchange for allocation money. Uh, Gotham acquires Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris, who are actually married, um, and they trade with the Orlando Pride. The Pride will receive a 2022 first-round pick a 2023 third round pick and allocation money. Um, and it's not official yet, but Alex Morgan is likely headed to San Diego. The clubs are expected to complete negotiations when the trade window reopens following the expansion draft on December 17th. Um, so um, I kind of got a headache because you think about all these players that want to go and play in California. I get it. It's an expansion team. This is new. They're starting up, but man, I mean, you know, actually for Orlando, it's not a bad idea trading away these players because they really need to do They've got some young talent. They really do. And I wouldn't be surprised if they're a good team next year. Um, Because to be quite honest, there are some players who play in the U S women's national team who are great there but they're not the best club players. Um, oh, goodness. So, yeah, the Morgan thing is reportedly in its final stages, but it's not fully official yet. So we kind of just have to wait to hear about that. Um, let me see. That's all there is at this current moment um, for anything relating to... Uh, 
any other trades, but yeah, that's just a lot. It is a lot. Um, and uh, you know, I would not be surprised to hear about more by the end of the month. Uh, and it will be really interesting to see what the range what roster will look like. Uh, so with that being said, looking at the rain still just have to really prepare for the expansion draft. That's all they've really got looking forward. And that's kind of big because you're coming up. Sorry about the voice crack. You're coming off a pretty successful season. Um, I'm sure you could just, I don't know what you would work on with this team. I'd like to have my friend Javier on and maybe we could look at that. Um, But you know, um, the rain had a pretty successful last season. I wouldn't be surprised to see if uh, OL loaned any more players this upcoming season, uh, just because it really would. I mean, OL has made it known that they want to really improve the rain and have them be one of the best clubs in the world. Um, and to do that, I mean, obviously you have to win titles in this league and to do that and accomplish that mission, it uh, wouldn't hurt to have some of those players like a Tian Endler uh, and goal uh, amongst other things, you know, uh, but that is, that is to be seen. And that is ultimately up to uh, OL management. Um, so no Sonics news, no dragons news. Heading into UW Athletics, uh, we have the football offseason for the season recap here. MVP. MVP was kind of a hard one to pick. I went with Roman Dunze. Uh, I can't necessarily pick Race Porter as much as he was like the the fan favorite and had a a great year uh, this past season. Um, so I went with Rome. Rome recorded 41, inter- 41 receptions, which led the team for 414, 415 yards and got into the end zone four times. Uh, he led the team in receptions and was tied for the most receiving touchdowns. Uh, offensive player of the year, I went with Sean McGrew. You know, looking at the numbers, it's kind of surprising that Sean McGrew didn't get more touches. Um, while he got limited playing time for kind of odd reasons i know there were a couple times where he was not playing due to injury but there were others where he was healthy and just was not um mcgrew was still able to be somewhat productive uh recording 434 yards on 110 attempts and scoring the ball eight times uh he added eight receptions for 41 yards uh defensive player of the year was jackson sermon this could easily be carson bruner's award next year but that is to be seen uh, a relatively quiet name. Sermon led the team in tackles by far, recording 22 more than second place Carson Bruner. Uh, Sermon added a pass deflection, interception, forced fumble, and fumble recovery to his stat sheet for this past season. Young player of the year. I mean, you could split this between Rome and Jalen McMillan. Uh, both are freshmen, uh, were freshmen this past season with tons of talent and will look to be featured more prominently next season under head coach Kalen DeBoer. Um, best new face that you could really just go with. Um, pardon me, Rome or Jalen. Best game was the 52-3 to win over Arkansas. I mean, putting up 52 points, you know, the other wins that UW had were all, like, really close. Um and to just blow out a team that that was like that was probably the best we felt all season, you know, because you lose that first game uh, to Montana, lose the Apple Cup, lose to Oregon. Hey, I hate looking at this, man. I hope next year, you know, we're able to look at this and be like, man, what a weird bump in the road. <laughs> uh, so what to look forward to next year? The DeBoer era begins. Uh, Sammy Hord's potential first year as a full-time starter. Or Jake Hayner, question mark. Mm-hmm. Uh, returning players, hopefully a bounce back year. Uh, in team-related news, we have a couple things here. Um, hold on, I got to fix that. Gotta move. Okay, whatever. Um, details of head coach DeBoer's contract were it's a five-year, $16.5 million deal. 
It is also said that news about coordinators will come in the following days. And with that being said, we do have news about it. Uh, the offensive coordinator spot was officially filled. Um, let me get down here. Ryan Grubb is following uh, Kalen DeBoer to Washington. We will get into some info about Grubb here. It is the first move that DeBoer has been that has been made public. Uh, so the offensive coordinator that joined him in Fresno State is coming with him to Washington. Um, trying to see if it's got anything. So Grubb spent five seasons at Fresno State. He was initially brought in by DeBoer as part of Je- Jeff Tedford's staff, uh, and DeBoer was the offensive coordinator. Grubb was the offensive line coach and run game coordinator at the time. Um, Grubb is also expected to help with the quarterback coach. Uh, it is unclear if Grubb will have any additional position responsibilities, although quarterback and offensive line would be the likeliest moved, moves based on his past history. Um, oh, okay, official update was that the school announced uh, that he will also be coaching the quarterbacks. So offensive coordinator and quarterbacks. Um, that is important. So offensive coordinator hire is in the bag, you know, get some continuity there with the war. Um, now DC, DC is going to be big. Oh boy. So we'll see. And uh, college football news, an extra bowl game is coming this year. Uh, the NCAA approved an extra bowl game to accommodate all six win teams. Uh, UW wins the UW. Utah wins the Pac-12 with a dominant 38 to 10 win over the Ducks. Speaking of the Ducks, Mario Cristobal is leaving Oregon for Miami. Cristobal signs a five-year, $8 million a year deal. Uh, and then Miami, uh, at the time that it would, the, these news stories came out about Cristobal joining Miami, Miami had not officially fired Manny Diaz until today, actually, on Monday. Um, so looking ahead, it's the offseason. Uh, it's still, you know, the DeBoer era is building up at this current point. So it's just now we just have to wait. I would say that the next big thing really is, you know, just waiting to see what the defensive coordinator hire will be. I spoke with Edifon of Ulafoshio the other day, and I asked him how he felt about the hire, and he said, I'm waiting to see the defensive coordinator. So that's interesting. Uh, looking at basketball here, men's basketball, uh, December 2nd was supposed to play at Arizona. That game was postponed. And December 5th versus UCLA at home that game, You'd have lost via forfeit. Uh, so team-related news here. We get to why those games were uh, postponed and forfeited. Uh, UW men's basketball uh, had to reschedule the game against Arizona to January 25th and forfeit that game versus UCLA as UW had issues with COVID-19 protocols in their program. So you'd, UW still sits at a 4-4 four and four record. Um can't really put in the Pac-12 standing here. Uh, their upcoming game, you know, with all things going well, I don't think they would get pushed back. Um, is December 12th at Gonzaga with a 2 p.m. Pacific time tip-off. That will be an interesting game. Um, looking into the women's basketball team, did not play this past week. Uh, looking ahead, they will get back to action uh, December 10th versus Seattle U. Oh, dang it. Sorry. I just noticed that I'm going to have a scheduling thing with that game. Scheduling issue. Um, baseball, no baseball news, no softball news, soccer, men's soccer here in their postseason, December 4th versus number 10 ranked St. Louis, the Huskies men's soccer team would win that game two to nothing play of the game would be a Gio Miglietti recording a brace on two shots, two shots on goal, uh, UW advances, excuse me, from the quarterfinals of the NCAA tournament to the final four. Uh, that is the first time in club history that the uh men's soccer team has done that so with that being said the men's soccer team now sits today 17 win two draw one loss record um their upcoming game is december 10th versus georgetown this is a semi-final game uh with a 5 30 p.m oh wow that's a lot going on on december 10th um 
Mm. Yes, it is a College Cup semifinal. So if UW wins that game, they then advance uh, to the College Cup to compete for a national title. Uh, the women's offseason. Oh, yes, the women's soccer team. We have the season recap here. Uh, MVP Summer Yates. Yates was the face of this team really this past season, starting in every game this year, uh, playing in 1,419 minutes. She scored five goals and recorded five assists, leading the team in point and in points and totaling 15 points total. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, Defensive player of the year. I put Olivia Sacani here. Uh, it was kind of tough just considering um, the UW website doesn't do defensive stats. It's fun. Um, so despite the den year that the team had, Sacani played well and started in every single game, only missing a little under 14 minutes all year. Um, uh, she recorded 76 saves with three shutouts um, for the golden boot summer Yates. See above already mentioned summer Yates there uh, young player of the year, Helena Reichling, the registered sophomore out of Seattle prep high school played the second most minutes of anybody this past season, just behind Olivia Sikani. Uh Her lone goal this year was the game winner against Seattle U that would win Washington, the WAC one Oh one cup. Uh, and she added two assists on the season as well. Uh, the best game for the UW women's soccer team was the 4-1 to win at Arizona. The highest goal scored total for Washington would come against the Wildcats right before the Huskies had to take on the difficult task of playing number eight UCLA and number five USC. Looking ahead uh, for the team this next season, uh, Olivia Sacani returns. Um, that might be a potential leak, uh, potential upperclassmen using extra year availability. That's still to be determined simply because, you know, that's a big deal. Um, and that's ultimately up to the, uh, players to determine that sort of thing. Um, and then a recruiting class that's, you know, um, it'll be an interesting year next year, hopefully to bounce back, um, from a tough year you know it's it's it was a tough year after going to the tournament um so just hoping you know to be able to get back to get just get back to the tournament that's that's i think that would be the the best way to look at it the best way to sort of get back to things there um the volleyball team is in their postseason as well um on December 3rd, they played Brown and would win that game in a sweep 3 to nothing. Player of the game would be Samantha Drexel with eight total points. So I thought that game was kind of interesting. You look at that and you see eight total points. Normally, uh, we'll see in the next game here with Claire Hoffman, but normally um, the, the totals are much higher um, for total points, but I guess not there. Um, and then so they would win that game in advance. So the second round, it would be December 4th versus Hawaii. Uh, the Huskies would win that game 3 to nothing. Another sweet player of the game would be Claire Hoffman with 22.5 total points. Um, so the team record now sits at 26-4. and four. Their upcoming game is December 9th versus Texas. That time is still being determined. So if we look here at the volleyball. Um, oh, wait, no. Division one. Oh, women's. I don't want rankings. I want the um, NCAA volleyball bracket. Aha. We want the bracket here, folks. Um. Mm. Hmm. Oh, okay. Sorry. I was looking at the wrong end of the, okay. 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 Um, so yes, you beat Brown and then beat Hawaii. And then December 9th, they will play number two seeded Texas, uh, at four 30 PM Pacific time. Oh boy. 
if they win, they would advance to play the winner of Illinois, Nebraska on December 11th in a quarterfinal game. Hmm. Let me see if we can find out where the these are. Do, 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 do. I apologize. This episode's going longer, but to be completely fair, oh, we're still in regionals. Okay, so that game will be in Austin, Texas. Oh, great. Um, And then our hockey teams, the men team played December 3rd versus Western Washington. They would win that game 4-1. to And then in the second game against Western Washington on December 4th, uh, we'll lose that game 12-7. to So the record now sits at eight wins and seven losses. Upcoming, uh, their next game is not until January 7th um 2000 well next year dinner seventh versus san jose state the women's team played their inaugural purple and gold women's college hockey night uh team purple versus team gold uh team purple would win that game so very cool to really see that get going um and see the women's hockey team really just just the, the things that they're building on um that will be cool to see, and that'll be cool to see when games get going for them as well. Um, and t- at this current point, we don't have any update on what will be next for them when they will play their next game. Um, but when we do, I will keep you posted on that. <laughs> With that being said, I do apologize. I had to get a little tired there. Um, we had a big, am- we had a big amount of news. We had a large. Large, uh, large amount of news there. Um, so with that being said, you know, we'll go back and reverse both hockey teams, uh, UW men's uh, winning one game, losing one. Um, the women's team playing their inaugural scrimmage. Um, UW volleyball advancing in their postseason, going on to play second seeded Texas down in Austin, Texas, still here in regionals. Um, sorry. So that time will be at 4.30 on December 9th. Um, No UW women's soccer had the recap for their season. Uh, Finally, after pushing that back, I do apologize. Uh, UW men's soccer advancing to play Georgetown at 5.30 p.m. in the College Cup semifinals. That's a big game there. The first time that UW has advanced to the Final Four in men's soccer. Um, do, 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 do. It's a lot of stuff going on on December 10th, man. Shoot. And I spelled Georgetown with an M, apparently. That is not how that works. No softball news, no baseball news. Uh, women's basketball plays next week. Men's basketball dealing with some COVID issues, so they didn't play their games this past week. Uh, went over the football recap. Um, no Dragons news, no Sonics news. Went over the rain recap. Uh, the Kraken won two of the past four games they played, uh, but the last game that they played was a really ugly one. Um No storm news. Sounders went over their recap. Uh, The Mariners went into league lockout. And the Seahawks won their game against the 49ers. So with that being said, until next week, I will see you later. I am tired. It is late. Um, Have a good rest of your day. Baba Bowie.